chapter twenty two of transition this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org transition by emma frances brooke chapter twenty two on the friday afternoon of the day on which an account of the assault on sheridan had appeared in the paper lucilla returned to her flat all morning by a stupendous act of will she had attended to her duties and retained a show of composure her hope being that by so doing she might escape honora's tender vigilance and get back unquestioned to the lonely place where she could best fight her agonizing thoughts and so well had she succeeded in her efforts that even honora was deceived and permitted her departure for the week end with rather less anxiety and reluctance than was usual it was shocking weather a thaw had set in after three days snow and it was accompanied by rain and every raw chill evil of the atmosphere lucilla whose feeling of exhaustion in both mind and body had been steadily increasing was drenched before she reached her destination her cloak and skirts were dripping and her feet wet as she painfully toiled up the stairs to her flat a woman to whom on honora's insistence she had confided the office of preparing and warming her room came out and returned her the key and inquired if any further services were needed lucilla her mind preoccupied by her supreme need to conceal her misery shook herself into an ordinary manner summoned a smile to her face and forgetful that her flat was entirely unfurnished with food paid the woman off on the spot and assured her that she should require no further attention for days to come then she continued her slow progress to the topmost story in the building and having entered her rooms closed and locked the door behind her a fire blazed on the hearth the girl had scarcely force left to unhook her cloak and let it fall from her shoulders that accomplished she dropped wearily to the floor leaning her head back against the wall in an attitude of complete exhaustion she was deadly white her eyes were closed her features drawn and her hands palms upwards lay listlessly by her side effort was indeed finally extinguished in that of passive suffering she was as incapable of thinking as of movement wave after wave of formless misery passed over her she knew what had happened without being able to set the event in a single articulated phrase how long she lay in this condition of collapse she did not know when she came to something like consciousness again she found that the fire was a dim glow in the grate and that dusk was gathering her feet and limbs were cold and numb and a feeling of deadly weakness almost precluded the idea of freeing herself from the wet boots and skirts that still encumbered her as to her misery all she recalled of it was that thinking had proved a task beyond her 
that for hours she must have lain there without making one inch of progress in the solution of some sickening mental problem a dim urgent feeling that the problem was still there was effectual to arouse her she dragged herself to her feet and noted with a faint sense of surprise that her body was full of severe pain the sharpness of it made it a stupendous effort to get across the room and to place more fuel on the fire and rekindle it to a blaze but the extreme cold she experienced compelled her at least to this endeavour the kettle was she believed full of water but then she remembered there was no food in the flat and that she had forbidden the woman to call and look after her and that finally she had locked herself in the question of food did not however disturb her for the very idea of it was nauseating she lit a couple of candles and then painfully freed herself from her wet garments sinking down in a low chair after the effort she thrust her bare feet to the blaze and tried in this way to bring back feeling into them by and by the greater degree of physical comfort sent the frozen blood a little quicker through her veins and into the confused miserable mental blackness a clear thought penetrated ah she said it is paul who is hurt paul who was trying to do his duty to men it is paul i am thinking about that is what this weight on my brain means there is something i have to say to him she rose from her seat and reached her blotting-case and a pencil from the bureau but no sooner had she sunk back on the chair than the blankness seemed to return to her mind she held the pencil suspended but found herself unable to trace a word she recalled what her intention had been but there was scarcely anything beyond that then she got up again placed the paper and pencil on a little stand by the side of the bed and the two candles with it after that she piled more fuel on the fire and then panting for breath fighting for each new effort weeping from sheer pain she finished her undressing if i can only get into bed she thought and lie still and get warm my mind will come back to me there is something about paul something that i have to remember and say to him at last the agonizing efforts were over and she was lying down in the warm light of fire and candle only however to sink again to the condition of semi-collapse it may be that eventually she slept at least she passed into a land of nightmare and distracting visions from this in the early hours of the morning she waked in indescribable misery not only was the weight on her spirits the sense of intolerable and crushing anguish heavier than before but her head and limbs were tortured with increased pain whereupon she knew that she was ill ill here in the workman's flat on a saturday morning and with every chance of assistance carefully excluded by her own hand at least i shall be undisturbed said she her lips were parched and body cold the fire and the candles had long burnt out and though the means of rekindling both and of procuring water for herself lay to her hand it was impossible even to raise her head from the pillow she fell again into a troubled half delirious doze which was all mingled with the confused misery of the day before that misery touched paul 
it was intimately connected with the idea of him but then what was it every thought reached and strove after him and failed always at the solution as though a hand wiped it from her brain oh my friend my friend was all her moaning thought and nothing further after that came a deep sleep and with it an appalling dream it was not earth any longer but some spiritual region where judgment reigned and paul was there she dreamed that he was an apostate and that he was condemned by the spirits of the just she dreamed that it was she herself who pointed the first finger of accusation at him and in her dream she thought that by the act she won high heaven for herself and that heaven thus won was more horrible than the lowest hell the horror waked her she found the daylight in her room and knew that it must be far into saturday morning the weather had cleared and it promised to be bright but the light hurt her and the things on which her eyes rested were terrible though she recognized in them the ordinary furniture of her chamber and strove to reason herself into tranquillity one object seriously alarmed and perplexed her beyond her somewhere between the bed and the wall rising from and surrounded by a nebulous mist she saw the profile of sheridan it was clear and distinct in outline and colouring but was cold and enigmatical as a sphinx it had been less terrible if it had turned and looked at her but it gazed immovably at vacancy this strange illusion terrified her spirit and she turned her head on the pillow and closed her lids my brain is disordered she thought this is illness no more if i shut my eyes for a long time what i see will vanish she kept them closed while her heart thumped and tumbled in her breast then after an intolerable interval she opened them timidly and anxiously the profile was still there her alarm and uneasiness acted as a stimulus to her brain she remembered the intended letter and her own extreme anxiety to write it by a supreme effort she got her hand out of bed stretched it to the stand by her side and secured both paper and pencil then knowing nothing clearly of the subject of her proposed missive she traced slowly and painfully the words dear paul forgive there were other ineffectual tracings but the paper and the pencil dropped from her hands and even the memory of her confused intention was effaced her thought wandered to honora what would she not have given to have heard her step upon the stair to have seen her strong kind face at the door the brown eyes full of love what would she not have given to be touched by her hands her mind dwelt upon the memory of honora until the contrast heightened the present desolation to too intolerable an anguish and she sought refuge from it in the more familiar grief and discomfort she had been lying with her head averted she turned it and sought again timidly for the strange illusion which embodied as she knew some tremendous but inexplicable grief it was still there immovable and in the same posture her eyes rested on it in something between terror and satisfaction for at least the features were those of a friend all day it went on thus once she seemed to herself to swoon into a great darkness from which she was snatched back by a voice that cried loudly in her ears one of you shall betray me 
she woke up her heart beating suffocatingly and could see no trace of any living thing the long terrible lonely hours went on and on no one came save once the milkman his loud knock and cry shook her out of a doze she had an agonizing desire for a draught of milk and strove to call to him but even had she been able to make her voice loud enough to reach him he was whistling and rattling his cans and she had no chance his retreating foot was the next thing she heard and the milk he had left behind the door was as much out of her reach as though he had never brought it at that for a moment she cried helplessly then she recalled how this which had happened to her was an accident she was not really forsaken not absolutely destitute as those are who have not the love to turn to even had they the power the thought of honora came back once more with supreme consolation it was no longer a pain it was a help to think of her thus and thus it would have been could honora have known of her suffering and then she thought of paul the friend whose calmer but unvaried kindness had covered years of her life an immediate and sudden realization of what had happened followed upon that the renewed shock might have extinguished the little flutter of living activity that had returned to her brain save that the thought of his kindness his utter incapacity for malice or for harboured resentment was uppermost in her mind and then a cry for forgiveness trembled from her lips and in her fancy her cry was met and covered by an instant and warm assurance of pardon it must be so for such was the nature of paul she thought how the threshold of this door of desolate suffering had been trodden by human feet before and that the way had been sharper to the steps she was not alone that supported her to her the thought of sharing anything human however bitter could bring majestic tranquillity an austere consolation descended upon her breast and brought it peace after that the sound of her own voice the conviction of having uttered incoherent words startled her she concluded that she was getting worse and that her brain was more disordered and that all power and self-control might leave her the cold she suffered and the parching dryness were something inconceivable and pain held her as in a vice she knew now that following upon days of exhaustion over-excitement and weakness she was stricken with the prevailing plague of influenza nothing else could account for the fever the shivering and the extreme weakness she calculated that sunday intervening honora would not miss her from the school until the day following but she was convinced that on her non-appearance on monday morning her friend would surmise that something was wrong and would come to inquire monday afternoon when school was over was then the earliest that relief could reach her how near was she to that in her fever she had lost count of time time and eternity were one and then she remembered that honora might not be disturbed by her non-appearance at first she might not send she might wait to hear something 
that last clear thought was again too much for her weakened brain at the point she fell into delirium and the chilly silence was disturbed by rapid incoherent talk of which she herself was unaware this was followed by a season of quietude and blank unconsciousness hours passed and she lay absolutely motionless from this condition she waked at last the room was still as a vault and as black she herself was a little blot of feeling in the midst of an appalling darkness at first she thought it was night and then she dimly surmised that the silence and the darkness were in herself by a tremendous effort she raised her lids to ascertain it made no difference now said she with a deep thrill this is death i feel more than i have ever felt before but i am blind and deaf soon the feeling will go too death that appeared to signify the intensest expectation the loud laboured thumping of her heart it seemed to tumble loosely in her breast was rather a sensation than a sound it was the only pain she felt the thing seemed leaping with an agonising fear which she herself did not share for amidst that physical convulsion her thoughts were tranquil and clear she was certain of death's approach and she reflected that in this life all her precious things her most delicate and refined things the heart's core of her ruthless truth had been rejected misunderstood she thought of it tearlessly yet no martyr in a russian prison suffered more she was tearless because she recognized in it a certain fitness a certain inevitableness even a commonness of experience i shall die she said and it is best for me to go god knows i was sincere but i did not understand the time nor the time me some of the things i thought i still believe my tremendous error was to dream that truth is single i am a woman whose mind was pitched out of its own era it is well to die now if i had lived i should have been ground to powder it came to her with compelling clearness as she lay there with her face sharpening thinning paling and sinking into the pillow her brave clear faith and ennobling tenderness had squandered themselves upon the impossible mercy itself could not have saved her except by death only she did not belong to her age meanwhile the coldness gathered it was different from the cold of the fever this was still and deadly even that sensation was extinguished at last and the thumping of the heart grew less and less she thought she was falling somewhere the bright sunshine of monday noonday poured into the room in vain for her darkened eyes it illumined the neglected dust-covered furniture and the dead ashes in the grate and lay upon the little white bed across the corpse-like figure with its sinking outline and the sharp face whose only sign of life were the little puffs of laboured breath that escaped at longer and longer intervals from the parted lips to the last her thought was occupied with paul the hateful atrocity from which he had suffered had returned to her memory the atrocity in which she felt herself cruelly involved with a certain tranquil majesty as in the eye of death she laid aside the human anxiety 
for spoken forgiveness and threw herself upon a solemn trust in the slow true judgment of time in the great and softening influence of distance to bring gently to his mind a better discernment of her nature and motives than her acts had left him now why thought she bemoaned the fact that death stayed my hand and stole my speech great hearts discern the hearts of others i will trust this even this this darkness and silence speech would seem sweet but i cannot reach him he will never know that i struck the mouth that reviled him i shall be a shadow in his thought but only for a time i will trust to the greatness of his heart now as i did not before my best friend you to whom i owe my best why was my life poisoned by that bitter doubt of you the bitter sweetness of this unspoken trust is only left me now she lay still as death small white broken but the voiceless cry in its intensity might have vanquished space and penetrated to the ear of her friend meanwhile honora startled at her absence and still more by littleton's arrival and news was hurrying on her way to the flat in his company her heart laden by an apprehension which had stirred it all too late it was a little after midday on monday that lucilla's eyes opened once more in the conviction that the room was light again it appeared to her a subdued imperfect light out of which the bookshelves and the old bureau curiously and familiarly loomed she longed for the power to turn her eyes to the window and catch a glimpse of the blue sky or even of the london grey again but such a movement was beyond her her eyes had fixed themselves on the door which stood opposite would it not open at last surely it would open why else should she gaze there with such certain expectation and now surely surely it had moved forwards there was a mist which prevented her from knowing certainly the darkness had returned but how otherwise could it be that everything was changing that the sense of a presence near her was so strong assuredly that was a human hand laid upon hers ah the very weariness and weakness were passing away perhaps it had been a dream the weight and misery melted from her brain a deep peace crept over her heart she was quite well now she was coming back to life the nightmare of months was over and gone she remembered that her shoes lay near her bedside it would be easy to stretch her hand and get them she would put them on and run down the stairs and herself carry her own message to paul's door and in such a moment the girl's broken spirit floated away End of chapter 22